Hi, I'm Allie. Hi, I'm Matt. Hi, I'm Tammy. Hi, I'm Guido. And this is Quad Pro Quo. We're starting month three of our podcast. That's so exciting. So exciting. And we have a special uh, snack for you guys yes. for this month. Yes. But just a refresher of what our podcast is, inspired by the quid pro quo scene from Silence of the Lambs. Each week, one no. of us. <laughs> each week, one of us will pick a movie and we'll talk about it and kind of vote, I guess, on whether it's good or bad. Yeah. And then the next person will go. So a little bit of quid pro quo. Pass fail. Pass fail. But there's four of us, so it's quad pro quo. And every once in a while, we're going to have a theme month. Not every month, but every once in a while. And this is our first theme month. And does anyone want to say what the theme is? Tommy Wiseau month. No. No. Why not? Because I want to live longer and it's it, that would kill me. Wasn't he just a one-hit wonder anyway? Uh, well, we are going to... Best Friends, Volume 1 and 2. And also <laughs> he's doing the movie Excuse Big me. Shark that's going to be coming out any day now. We are seeing his... Blow his hands away. Yeah, we are seeing his magnum opus next week, The Room, and we get to meet Greg Sestero. Who, oh, hi, Mock. Who plays Mock in the movie? But um, you get to meet him. Yeah, are you going to the Colonial? To see yeah, this? it's a meet and greet, and they're doing a live reading of one of the scenes on stage and asking for help from the audience. Stop it! I know. Turn me apart. Um, no. So, uh, Tommy Wiseau is not our theme. Uh, our theme is anyone, or do you want me to say it? <laughs> Mister. Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. I was picking Jaws for my pick this month anyway, so we decided to turn it into a theme month. So this month, everyone is going to pick a movie that Steven Spielberg was involved in. Not necessarily he directed it, because one of us is throwing a wrench in the in the I mix know. there. I, I wanted to <laughs> okay. do... No, I like your choice. And so we're always going to give our opinion at the end of the podcast, but... For theme months on the last episode of the month, which is traditionally Guido's pick, we're also going to rank the four movies in order of our favorites. Can't wait to win. Yeah. Rude. (laughs) So this month, again, Steven Spielberg. My pick came out in 1975. Obviously, it was directed by Steven Spielberg. Starring Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss, and Roy Scheider. My movie is Jaws. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. I'm not going to go through every single scene in this movie. Hopefully listeners have seen it. I'm telling you, not everybody has seen this. If you're in our core friend group... You've been at least forced to watch this maybe twice. That's this true. Is the, this is the first summer blockbuster. Yes. Yeah, but we are going to talk about not that. everybody watches movies like we do. And there's people younger than us that would never watch a movie this old. Your son was interested in it. Well, he was. He told. Um, he told Ali. Yeah. Mommy was watching. Jaws. He was like, Mommy like, was watching Jaws, and I was like, Oh, really? He's like, I'm too little to watch it. I'm like, I watched it when I was your age. That's why it's my favorite. I know. That's what I said. You but look I wasn't big now. I wasn't gonna turn it on or anything. Wow. <laughs> I didn't want to be responsible for there's, that. There's, you know, there's a separate head and shit. Yes. No big deal. So I figured we would just talk about 
kind of pivotal scenes in Jaws. I'm not going to, like I said, go through every single scene in the movie. Um, so I figure we just talk about pivotal scenes and I have very fun facts and just talk about Jaws as kind of a movie that, in my opinion, changed the way people not only go to the movies, but also live their lives. I think it's one of the movies that affected the way people vacation, which I don't think ever happened before. Um, but I'd like to open up with a question of what was your guys's vacation when you were a kid what was your kind of summer vacay tammy <clears throat> we did a lot of trips to florida because my dad's from florida so and we have a lot of family there so um, we didn't go away every summer but that was probably the consistent trip that we would take and we'd go to like the beach maybe once or was it to the Florida beaches or was it like to Orlando or is it just um, to family? It was different places in Florida. I mean, we would do Jersey Shore, but we would do Orlando. We would do Miami. We did Key West a couple times. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. Just kind of cool Florida. Guido? We would go to Rehoboth and we would um, struggle to enjoy ourselves. Okay. Every summer you would go to Rehoboth? Um, yeah, it was, it was Rehoboth. We went to Florida a few times. He also and we argued there. It was just like <laughs> it's just another place that had a mediocre time. Gotcha. I I always hear this uh, story from his grandparents. Every um, his parents did a lot of jet setting in their their like earlier years to Egypt and to other places. Wow. And, My mom um, tried to steal a bunch of stuff from Germany. Germany. So I've heard that story. The the grandparents would have the kids and they would switch the kids because they couldn't be together. They were too much to handle. Oh, you and your sister? Yeah. Yeah. We hated each other. For good reason because, yeah, we're going here. So uh, don't hide the remote and don't dig your grubby little hands into the box of Lucky Charms and eat all the marshmallows. So basic brother sister crap because yeah. I would do that too. Yeah, hiding exactly. the hiding the channel changer. <laughs> Oof, I loved doing you guys that. Call it a channel changer. I call I always call it a, I call it a channel changer. What? I, I know it does other that. things, but <laughs> the clicker. The clicker. Yeah. All right, Where's Matt. What about um? What about your summer vacation? I recall we went to Cape May, New Jersey, quite a few times. That that was always fun. Okay. No, nowhere like specific every single year. No, mm-hmm. not really. Oh, okay. Are you the only one that had like a like a we do this this summer? Yeah, we went. So we went to um, not Rehoboth. But we went to Bethany Beach, Delaware, every year. The same week, every single year. We stayed at the same house every single year. And we were on the beach by 8 in the morning. And we weren't allowed to leave until after the lifeguards left the beach. My parents were beach Nazis. Like <laughs> They were... They were Uh, nice and golden brown. My parents wanted to get tan. They wanted to read. They wanted to not pay attention, which is why I've been pulled out of the ocean three times. Um, (laughs) And uh, that was what we did every single year. And now my parents have a little place in in the beaches of Delaware. But um, yeah, that was our summer vacay every year. I think Guido rescues me from the ocean every time (laughs) we go to the beach because I can't swim very well. So I do want to just say that Obviously, Jaws came out in 1975. It's adapted from the book Jaws, which I have sitting in front of me, um, which was written by Peter Benchley. And that actually came out in 1974. My mom always says that everyone read the book on the beach in 1974, and then everyone went and saw the movie at the beach in 1975. So it was almost like this beautifully perfect marketing plan that everyone just flocked to see it, even though it would terrify them because they're at the beach. And it takes place... In a fictional town of Amity Island, which they don't really say where it is, but it's kind of 
widely considered that it's either like Cape Cod or Long Island. Something That's what like I that. felt like too. It was like a northeastern. Yeah, it's definitely a northeastern city. So um, we'll Des- get to it. But bro- despite the fact that nobody up there sounds like they're from up north up there, you said that. And when we were watching the movie this morning, I pointed out a ton of people that had accents. You pointed out three people. Yeah, and one of them was Quint. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's a whole island full of people. That are are just like, one of them sounds like she was Chief Brody's neighbor in New York City, where she's like, you're not an island unless you're born there. I didn't point out (laughs) Quint, because Quint is from Scotland, so I didn't say Quint. But there's definitely people that have accents, but yes. The white shorts didn't give it away with the sweaters (gasps) draped around the men's shoulders. Yes. It was filmed predominantly in Martha's Vineyard and a little bit in Nantucket and um, a, like a little bit on the Long Island Sound. So it was filmed all over, but I think widely kind of considered that it's Cape Cod. Are sharks normally found in that area? In one part of the movie, they do talk about how when they catch the one shark and we don't say you're lying yet because we're going to get to that. Don't say it yet. Um, <laughs> that the shark is very rare for the waters and that shark they catch is a tiger shark and a tiger shark would be very rare for the waters but great whites actually aren't they travel long distances they go from north to south so yes a huge shark like that rare but a lot of the facts that we'll talk about in the movie are accurate to sharks and kind of science of sharks the first scene we're going to talk about is the opening scene one of the most iconic opening scenes in a film so we open with (laughs) Titties. <laughs> we open with a, a bonfire on the beach. These little, delinquent teenagers. summer hippies just smoking and smooching and smoking drinking. cigarettes. Oh, probably. And um, we kind of pan in on two uh, people. One, Chrissy. Chrissy and the guy who's kind of eyeing her down. And he comes over to her and she runs off. He runs after her, and she says she wants to go swimming. And they're both so drunk. Super drunk. And she starts peeling off her clothes again. Yeah. And I would like to say, not again. This is the first time I'm saying this. This is a PG movie. This movie yeah. is rated PG, 1975 PG. You see, when she's running, side boob. I mean, if you pause it, you would probably see, like, side nipple. But she strips down to completely nothing, and she runs into the water. And he's stumbling he's a lot drunker than her he can't get his clothes off he kind of passes out on the shore trying to get his clothes off and he's probably drown in real life yeah that's what, that's what he said but he wasn't face down so it doesn't matter it's not that's like what he said. it's not like he wouldn't so you're saying this person is one of the few people on the planet that would stay perfectly still while they're asleep maybe won't roll over <laughs> maybe won't face into it um, but she swims not just in shallow water. She swims very far out, which night swimming. By a buoy. Night swimming is very dangerous. Night swimming when you're drunk or high and naked, very dangerous. <laughs> so She looked like a really strong, confident swimmer, though. Yes. She looked very buoyant. So she's swimming, and it's very relaxing, and we get the image from below, kind of like the POV of the shark, and again, PG, but we are basically seeing... But also, V... All 90 pounds at this point. Point of V. (laughs) Point of V. We are seeing right up this girl's, not to be disgusting, but to quote Judy Gemstone, right up to her slit. Ew, gross. (laughs) I mean, if you paused it, if you paused it, you... You'd get an eyeful. You would. She's totally naked. And, and you um, have the, the lyrics to the opening title as they're watching her. It's just John Williams going, Beaver. Beaver, <laughs> <laughs> beaver, beaver. beaver, 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 beaver. <laughs> 
So she um, she's happy, and then we get the first kind of dip below the water. She gets Ooh. pulled. She's not really sure what happens. She's a little startled, and then she gets pulled again, and she really starts to freak out. And then she starts to get pulled from side to side very, very aggressively, screaming, flailing her arms. She gets thrown up against the buoy that's out there, and she's screaming and, you know, just blood-curdling scream, and then she gets officially pulled under and... <laughs> She was like a fishing bobber dies. when you catch the fish. So how did they record that screaming sound? Okay, well I have answers here. Okay, so first... To achieve the kind of pull back and forth, there were 300 pound weights attached to her. So she basically was wearing a corset with wires coming out and people were pulling her from back to forth. And I know that Steven Spielberg was on one end of that. And there was a myth for a long time that it was so aggressive that she actually like broke ribs and like broke her back and was like permanently injured. That's not true. She said that was never true. That was just a a rumor. But she was being pulled back and forth by like a corset with kind of cable ties coming out. To create the sound of her drowning, Susan Backline, who was the woman who played Chrissy, was positioned head upturned in front of a microphone while water from above was poured down into her. They waterboarded her, basically. She was waterboarded to get the sound. Then the next day, I mean, it kind of runs into like the same scene, just so we can introduce. We meet Brody, uh, Martin Brody, played by Roy Scheider. He is Who the- is so awesome. Yes. He, he plays the police chief on Amity Island, and he moved out there with his family from New York City. And he's married to his wife, Ellen. She is hot. <laughs> and they have uh, two sons. I am just really glad that she ends up, she ends up okay. She ends up with Sir Michael Caine in Jaws. She Revenge. does, yes. And that's something that a hottie like that deserves. Yes. They have two sons, Sean and Michael, and um, he gets the call that there's been a body or someone's missing, we'll say. So we're assuming that the guy who passed out on the beach probably reported Chrissy missing. After he you know, gets his coffee, he kind of runs off. And I would like to point out the, the dogs that are in the first scene of the movie with Brody are actually Steven Spielberg's dogs. So he runs to the beach to try and kind of find Chrissy. He talks to the guy who passed out on the beach. Oh, yeah, I love that. I love that because this guy is... He's in it for the beginning of the movie, and he's in it for right now, but literally, we hear his whole backstory. It's like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, I just... Oh, yeah, he goes to Andover. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm from Hartford. I go to Andover. He's wearing a sweater. Like, we get this whole Melville-style exposition of just, this is what I did before this happened. Well... I Call think it, me Ishmael. I think it kind of it, it sets up a little bit of that some of the characters are outsiders, the islander versus the non-islander. Like Brody and his wife are not islanders. They weren't born here. They're not they're an not islander. Born here, so they're not islanders. Yeah, and he's and he says that like Brody asks him, "Are you from here?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm an islander." So there's a very like strong and I think that's in that in the book, and we'll talk more about the book a little bit, but. There's kind of this strong delineation. But then we get the whistle blowing from Brody's deputy, and they find one of Chrissy's arms that's washed up on shore and is being eaten by hermit crabs. What a kid's movie. And I would like to say that um, Spielberg said that the prop arm looked too fake in the scene where Chrissy's yeah. remains are discovered, so instead they buried a female crew member in the sand with only her arm exposed. So there is a person underneath. Well, they don't <laughs> I was going to say. Too, right? Yes. Isn't it amazing? The stuff they did back then, I swear. So in between this scene and the next scene, we meet some other people. We meet um, the medical examiner, 
we meet the guy who runs the newspaper, who is actually Carl Gottlieb, who wrote the screenplay for Jaws. And we meet the mayor and his amazing suits. Anchors and stripes and just lovely. And uh, he's played by Murray Hamilton. And basically he is very concerned that there might have been a shark attack, but more because he doesn't want to shut the beaches down because... I'm only trying to say that Amity is a summer town. We need summer dollars. Because I mean, Brody immediately wants to close the beaches and the mayor says you can't do that. And it's all psychological. He says, mm-hmm. you yell Barracuda. People say, what? No, come on, do it like your dad. Huh? What? He says it like that. <laughs> <laughs> you yell shark. We've got a panic on our hand on the 4th of July. So if they don't make the money in the summer, they could die in the winter. It's kind of the way it is. So the second scene we're going to talk about or any any other um, comments on scene number one. That Do you guys remember just, seeing um, like this scene for the first time, or did it scare you when you first saw it? I don't remember it scaring me the first time I saw it, but I could definitely think back to if I, you know, if I was watching a movie for the movies like this were new back then. Yeah. So the impression that it made upon the viewers of the movie terrified everybody people were you know leaving the theaters puking and yeah. just very terrified of the this, ocean this Some, is one of the movies i wish i could have been alive for when it came out because i just remember like my parents telling me when they went and saw it and everyone just being terrified again because it came out in the summer so everyone saw it at the beach i mean not to say that that was the goal of steven spielberg when this movie was created but it certainly was a reaction that he was probably looking for fear. I mean, this is one of Steven Spielberg's first movie. It's not his first movie, but it's definitely his first studio, big studio film. So it's very early on in his career. And I think he was just kind of hoping that it would be a hit. He so. also just hates sharks. And so no, he doesn't. drove him to filming on open water, which you should never do. Uh, Establishing a rule that you shouldn't do that. But we're... accepted unless it's Waterworld. Unless that's Kevin Costner, right? But we're going to talk about how that made the movie what it is. I mean, I personally think it's one of those movies that it shouldn't be, in my opinion, a perfect movie because everything possible went wrong in this movie. But because everything went wrong, it made it a good movie. It's just one of those kinds of things. So... Okay, you're just... Okay. You're just really trying to get a reaction out of me right now. No, no, because remember, we're we're like when you introduce another character, we'll talk about the the, what could have been. Okay. So we're going to talk about the second attack. Scene two, we're going to talk about is the second attack. I think it's really great that. You know, we're not even 20 minutes into the movie and we're already getting our second shark oh, yeah. attack. Is that that Kitner with, boy? Yes. With okay. blood. That damn Kitner boy. That fucking Kitner boy. With lots of and, blood. And also, let's let's pour one out for Pippin. Yeah. Pippin, Pippin. I'm not totally sure which one it is. I felt more so, for the dogs. Yeah. So wait, is that another one of his dogs? No. Oh, he's not saving. But I have a story about I have a story about Pippin too. So we open up to just like a very calm day on the water. Not a lot of people because again, it's before the season starts, which apparently the season in Cape Cod starts July fourth. Everyone's kind of on the beach. Brody's on the beach wearing jean shorts and a cut off sweatshirt (laughs) with his wife and his kids. We kind of see like a little boy run in to the water with his raft. We see a guy throwing a stick into the water and his dog fetches it. Just a very calm day. Normal. Very, very normal. calm. Very normal. Busy and crowded though. No, no. Not this not You didn't this think speech. so? No, it's pretty quiet. So then we get the second attack. First we get the guy throwing the 
the stick to his dog, Pippet, and then Pippet's gone. We don't see the kill on screen. The kill was recorded on screen, but when they tested it in front of audiences, they said it was too severe and they didn't want to watch a dog die. So they cut the yeah. kill from the movie. People, but, okay, dog, no. Yep. But apparently the next scene, which is where a 10-year-old boy on a raft gets savagely eaten yeah, by a great white, was okay for test audiences. Yeah, he was a ginger. He I, deserved it. I did just get chills when you talked about the dog dying on the screen. It's sad. Yeah. yeah. But that 10-year-old child <laughs> mauled to death. So we see Alex Kittner go in with his raft, floating around. And then we see, again, the POV of the shark coming up from beneath. And this is a savage kill. Are there any pieces left? Uh, I don't think so. There is a lot of blood. It's a geyser. Well, the, the, the raft comes back. Oh, well, see, I remember the, the, raft like the first kill, like back. this rude-ass shark that, like, doesn't finish his food. Some, some well, pieces washed. He had, he had, I mean, he filled up on breasts in that scene. <laughs> well, they were built with feet. Everyone kind of runs out of the water, all the meanwhile, other kids. Meanwhile, the Kinder Boy is more like a chicken strip compared to, the, <laughs> compared to, to Chrissy being like a 10-piece meal. Uh, <laughs> so all the other kids come out of the water, and Alex Kittner's mother is kind of looking for him, doesn't realize what's happened. And then we see the torn-up, bloody remains of oh. the raft wash ashore, and that's the end of the scene. So that's the second kill. So Probably terrible. within 20 minutes, we get the killing of a girl and the killing of a 10-year-old. And a dog, which we don't say. But. He's a night feeder. The most vulnerable of populations. Yes. That was scene two that we're going to talk about. <laughs> Which is probably actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Because I think, I, weirdly, I kind of love it. They show the killing of a child. I don't know why. It's savage, but I think it's kind of cool. Every July 3rd, <laughs> I, share, I share a meme that says, like, remembering Alex Kittner, yes. who died today. And Chief Brody did nothing to keep the beaches open. Yep. You stood there for <laughs> 40 minutes. Keep the beaches closed. So the next scenes we're going to talk about are kind of kind of one big scene. I mean, it's a bunch of different scenes, but then but we're going to talk about the first the town meeting. So after Alex Kittner is killed, his mother posts an ad for anyone who kills the shark, they get a $3,000 reward. So they have this town meeting to talk about how they're going to handle everything. Are they going to close the beaches? Everyone's very worried because, and again, again, all of these islanders don't sound like they're, where they're from the island. Okay. I mean, oh, you're going to close the beaches. No, that one guy says, is the bounty in cash or check? He says it like that. That's, that sounds New England. One guy in the whole room. <laughs> I'm sorry, should Michael Rappaport be in this movie and just be every single character for you? Is that Will that quench your thirst for a New England accent? Is no. he from New England? He's from Boston, I thought. Or New York, at least. Oh. Definitely one of the worst actors. <laughs> so, Everyone should just have been narrated by Stephen King. Okay. And then it would have been okay. Brody says he is going to close the beaches. And everyone's in an uproar. And then we are introduced to Quint. So this is the introduction to Robert Shaw, who plays Quint. He drags his nails down the chalkboard to get everyone's attention. And then does this amazing speech how, you know, he will catch it. He'll find it for three, but he'll catch it and kill it for ten. He doesn't want any help. He's amazing. Lots of stories about Robert Shaw in this movie and being basically drunk the entire movie. Uh, originally, no doubt in my mind that that would just be what he would do. Yeah, he was not nominated for an Oscar for this movie, which I think is complete bullshit. <laughs> And it was almost Lee Marvin. It was almost Lee Marvin. So Lee Marvin was originally supposed to be in this role. 
Which I think would have been good too, just more of a cowboy and not no, so much a grizzly sea captain. I prefer Robert Shaw in this one because I feel like if Lee Marvin was there and Lee Marvin was probably just as much of a drunk as Robert Shaw was, Lee Marvin had a much deeper voice. So Quint would have been like Farmer Fran meets Herman <laughs> Munster. You just couldn't understand because mm-hmm. Remind me of what he's in. Um, so Robert Shaw was in, um, he was in a Bond movie. He was in From Russia With Love. Yeah. What no the other the other gentleman? Oh, Lee Marvin. Yeah. Oh, Lee Marvin is from like old westerns. He was in not the Great Escape, um, the Dirty Dozen, and he does have an Oscar. He was in like you know. French Connection. No, he's not in the French Connection. That's Hugh Hackman. Hmm. Although Roy Scheider is in the French Connection. (laughs) He's just in old westerns, old war movies, kind of like the equivalent of like kind of like a John Wayne sort of like kind of character. So after the town meeting, then we get the scene of kind of all the people coming into town to hunt this shark. And this is where we also meet our next character, because there's basically the three main characters of this movie. And the next character is Hooper, Matt Hooper, played by Richard Dreyfus. Brody made a call to the mainland at the Oceanological Institute. Oceanological. Yep. And asked them to send somebody. And they send Richard Dreyfus's character of Matt Hooper. And so he comes and again, everyone's here in the harbor. They're all trying to get out to hunt the shark. And it's just people from all over the place, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Jersey, um, but that's when we meet Hooper. You think any Canadian showed up? I wonder how long, the, how wide the broadcast range. Was. Well, he's well. The deputy tells um, Chief Brody that she advertised in out-of-town papers. That's why there's so many different fishermen there. And so we get the image of everyone leaving to go hunt the shark. There's that guy that says that barely. Wait till they go and they drive them on their rocks, and their their fathers have never met their mothers. Like he has no idea what he's saying. He's just rambling. They're chumming the waters. They're not far out enough. It's ridiculous. And then we get the scene where Hooper sees the remains of the first victim, Chrissy mm-hmm. Watkins, and mm-hmm. it's basically a box, <laughs> like a box you would mail like normal mail in, and that's what her remains fit in. And that's when he first says, like, "Well, this is not a boat accident." It wasn't any propeller, it wasn't any coral reef, and it wasn't Jack the Ripper. It was a shark. And so when he says it was a shark, we cut to the next scene of a giant shark's mouth being opened up. So one of the people from the fishing expedition caught a shark. It's a huge shark. They think they've caught the shark. Everyone's really excited. And, you know, Brody's excited. He brings Hooper in and Hooper immediately starts taking measurements, like measuring the mouth. And the mayor comes down. Everyone's really excited. The newspaper guy is there again. Carl Gottlieb, who wrote the screenplay. Hooper basically takes Brody aside and like, you know, it's a big ocean. There's lots of sharks out there. The fact that these guys caught the one that we think it is, it's 100 to 1. And he says, I'm not saying it's not the shark. It probably is. It's a man-eater. It's extremely rare for these waters. But the bite radius on this animal is different from the wounds on the victim, meaning it's not the shark. When the guys who are looking, who caught the shark, they're like, what kind of shark is it? And the one guy says, I think it's a mako. He means mako. A mako shark. Yeah. It's not a mako shark. You can visibly see, and Richard Dreyfus says, the tiger shark. A what? A what? There we go. <laughs> a what? So they have no idea what kind of shark they And you can visibly see it's a tiger shark based off the stripes on the shark's body. And this is an actual shark. So they didn't want to kill a shark, obviously, for this movie. So they got wind of a shark that was caught and killed in Florida, and they sent someone down to get the body by the time it got back up to them it was several days old and very smelly so filming that scene was not fun and then we get basically the mother of alex kittner coming and 
saying to Brody, she slaps him in the face very hard and says, you knew there was a shark out there. You did nothing. And my boy's dead now. Surprised she didn't try to burn him with her Coke bottle glasses. Yeah. Like a magnifier to the hint. And fun fact, Roy Scheider said that um, the woman who played Mrs. Kittner smacks him in the face. She was actually hitting him. Apparently the actress could not fake a slap. And so the 17 takes were some of the most painful of his acting career. There's one, (laughs) there's one take where she slapped him. Yeah. There's one take where she slapped him so hard, his glasses flew off his face. Like, she just constantly hit him because she couldn't figure out how to do a fake one. So she just hit him a lot. <laughs> Lee Fierro? Lee Fierro, yeah. Her, At one point, Hooper is trying to, like, spit on his goggles, but he has no spit because he's all stressed out. So. He's so scared. He's all dried up. He was all dried <laughs> up after apparently banging Chief Brody's wife. Oh, wait, that's in the That's book. in the book. And hold on a second, real quick. Really? Well, Why wouldn't they include that in the Because nobody wants to see Richard Dreyfus fuck on camera. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, yes. Like, so, yeah. so there's, <laughs> there's tons of differences <laughs> from the book and the movie. I actually think this is an example of the movie being better than the Mr. book. Mr. Helen's office? Yeah. <laughs> you think he used the puppets from Little <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually seen one about Bob. It's going on the list. All right. Yeah, there's a lot of differences between the book and the movie. Um, in the book, Richard Dreyfuss's character does have an affair with Brody's wife. It was cut out because people were like, it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It's just unnecessary for the plot of the movie, I'm sure. I, I personally, I've read the book. I don't like the book. And the shark in the book is kind of a secondary character. People have called it basically like Peyton Place with a shark. So it's a soap opera with just a shark in the background. <laughs> like, oh, really? Yeah. It's just, it, it. the book's more about the people in the town. There's a weird mob story involved. It's very odd. The editor, like, had a whole bunch of, like, uh, bits of film with just a fin. And she was trying to, like, put it all in there. And Spielberg was just like, no, I want more shark. And he goes, no, just fin. Just fin. With the filming and everything. And a lot of people say, like, oh, the shark never worked. That's actually not true. The shark did work in water, but they didn't test it in salt water. Right. So that's, like, the big overarching scene. Any comments on that? Any last-minute comments on the, oh, what? Do you want to say it one more time? Oh, what? <laughs> I I liked the scene um, when the two fishermen put out the booby trap. Yeah. Yes. And they, it was like the third shark attack in the movie. And then the shark grabbed on to the bait yes. and went and like swam away and it broke the, the dock. dock. And yep. the guy fell in the water and like drifted away with the shark. Yes. And he's like, whoa, 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 I'm going to get eaten. And he's like trying to swim to the shore and he's slow af yeah and there's no way in hell that he would have made it in real life i also don't know what their plan was to reel the shark in yeah i think they were hoping maybe to drown it in shallow water but they 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 put it they put that roast on a really big hook so they were hoping that that would have caught yeah and then like, they were, like, like well, a normal yeah. fish, and it would have just kept it that tethered to Because the no one's really seen the shark. They have no idea how big it is as of, the, as of yet. So they think it's maybe just... Little did they know. Uh, it's yeah. bigger than they expected. Uh, so then the next scenes we're going to talk about are... So the dinner scene, when Hooper comes to uh, Chief Brody's house and, you know, has dinner with them. Do you want to talk about the scene between Brody and his son where they kind of mimic each other's uh, movements? Yes, it's much better in Jaws 4. Which is super annoying because in Jaws 4, when the guy does it with his daughter, that's not the son 
that Brody does it does that scene with in the first Jaws. So it doesn't make any sense. Quick fact: Michael Caine never saw that movie. He just saw the house that it built, and it was a beautiful house. Yeah, he famously could not accept his Oscar because he was filming Jaws four. Couldn't accept his first Oscar for Hannah and her sisters because he was filming Jaws four in the Bahamas. One of the worst movies of all time. I love it. <laughs> If I had to rank Jaws, it would be my second one. <laughs> Jaws, Jaws of Revenge, Jaws 2, Jaws 3D. Jaws 3D with Dennis Quaid. <laughs> How many movies are there? There's four. So the dinner scene, uh, Hooper shows up, has dinner with, with Brody and his wife. And this is where we kind of get a little bit of a flirtiness. Like, I feel like that's kind of where they this sort of ends. But again, in the book, they have an affair. And they're going to go and cut the tiger shark open to make sure that it's not the shark and that Alex Kittner's remains are not inside of it. So they do. They go and cut the shark open. It's a tiger shark, so it'll eat anything. So a bunch of crap comes out. Cans, a license plate from Louisiana. The numbers on the license plate read 007, which is a little nod to Spielberg always wanting to direct a James Bond movie. And Robert Shaw was was also in a James Bond movie. He was in From Russia With Love. And there's no remains. It's not that damn kicker boy. Nope. So then they go out on the water to hunt the shark because it's a night feeder. And they're drunk. Did that little boy die in the day? They are so drunk. Okay. Okay, Well, Brody's drunk. Hooper's not drunk. The little boy and the dog were like when you wake up at three in the morning and you go to your fridge and you just need a little snack. Oh, like you just get that shredded cheese. You just put your hand in the bag of cheese. You're just like, this is just a little thing. It's a little snack. Just the cheese. Just just the cheese. Just the cheese. So they pick up a signal. Oh, we we get the iconic line of Brody saying, it doesn't make sense that they pay a guy like you to study sharks and Richard Dreyfuss says doesn't make sense that a guy who hates the water would live on an island it's only an island if you look at it from the water mm. some food for thought right there but yeah also philosophy. because, because philosophy they're on this super high tech boat which I'm super like boat. why don't they use this boat later but I, I know I know because we're going to talk about Quint where do you get all the money for this huh? yes. who pays for this and then Richard Dreyfuss is like I know so who, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm actually rich wasn't born an old man <laughs> he is rich in the book he's very rich as well um, fun fact one of the other actors who was approached to play this part was the dude which I feel like uh, I thought Richard Dre- I thought Richard Dreyfus was good in this movie uh, but Jeff, Jeff Bridges, Bridges would, yeah. like Jeff Bridges would have been sitting there and be like yeah you know I'm rich man that's like your opinion, man. I would like to see Jeff Bridges get all the work. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, that would have been better because I think movies are made the way that they're supposed to be made. And even though I don't like Richard Dreyfus and I like don't like what he said about Jaws since making this movie, I do think Jeff Bridges would have been a good choice as well. Mr. Dreyfus was recommended by uh, Star Wars Man. He was recommended by George Lucas, yes. And the uh, Richard Dreyfus has said the only reason he did this movie is because of a movie he made right before this. He was afraid was going to bomb so he thought I should sign up for a movie so I have a job but he turned it down so he turned it down and then found out it was that his movies may not do well yeah may not do well and they was like can I have it back yeah he's an a-hole they started shooting without these positions right so then we get the um the jump scare the first jump scare when I still jump back what when Hooper goes down to to uh, check the hull of a boat, there's a huge shark tooth in it. He grabs the boat and a head comes out. And no matter how many times I've seen this movie, if I see it in the theater, which they always show it at the Colonial in Phoenixville, people still jump at that part. We're going to talk about 
another jump scare later in the movie of when we first see the actual shark. Like we haven't really still seen it later in the movie. And Steven Spielberg says he actually regrets putting this jump scare in. He says he got greedy mm-hmm. because people jumped so hard at this one. And that the second one where we see the shark for the first time, right before Brody says his iconic, it. people didn't jump because yeah. they kind of were already expecting it. They're on guard. So he, he regrets putting the head pop out. Oh, I love the head pop. I know, it's scary. (laughs) I jump every time, too. So then we're going to talk about um, the third attack. The start of the season, we're seeing all the people come in to Amity Island on the ferry, which I have been on that ferry. (laughs) I have been to many of the spots where Joss was filmed on Martha's Vineyard. Beach is full, packed, tons of people, but they're also watching for the sharks. So we've got boats out in the water. We've got people up in the high rises and the shark towers. There's helicopters flying overhead. So no one's in the water. Everyone's on the beach. No one's in the water. Do what they say. Who cares? They've already paid their ferry passes. Mm -hmm. So they got the money from that. They're already probably going to go somewhere to get something to eat, somewhere to stay. The town's already locked in for the beach dollars. Meanwhile, the mayor's like, why aren't you in the water? Yes. Who gives a shit? They're already here. Isn't he wearing a suit jacket, too? With anchors on it. Yeah, he's Amazing. like completely dressed, walking yeah. around on the, on the sandy, hot beach. Also, residents were paid $64 to scream and run across the beach as extras. I've always They're wanted smiling. to be a movie yeah. extra. They, did, they don't look scared. Yeah. So eventually people go in the water. Brody asks his one son, Michael, to take his boat into the pond. So what you see in the scene is there's basically the ocean and then there's the road with a bridge, which I attempted to jump off that bridge, but I got too scared, so I couldn't do it. And then the other side is the pond. So everyone's in the water. People are having a grand old time. No, you said they weren't in the water. They go in the water. Oh, they yes. changed because the mayor. Because yeah, the, the mayor, mayor asked his one friend them. to go in the water. And then there's tons of people in the water. And then we start to see a fin go by. And everyone freaks out because they see the fin, so everyone runs out of the water, everyone's terrified, and then we realize that it's a fake fin, and there's two little kids underneath just kind of swimming along. He told me to do it! Fun fact that just came out this past week. One of those little kids was just elected sheriff of the town of Martha's Vineyard where this movie was filmed. Oh. Really? Yes. Oh, my god. He never acted. He was just an extra. He is a police officer, and he was just elected sheriff of the town of Martha's Vineyard where this is filmed. Because I've seen this one before. Amazing. But he was born there, so he's an islander. He's an islander. So everyone is tending to the people on the ocean side, whereas we cut to the pond and we see Brody's son and his two friends on their boat and they're trying to tie a knot, but you see the shark, actual shark, coming into the pond. And you see another guy who's trying to help them. Yeah, the weird diddler ginger guy. <laughs> He's like, hey, you guys need some help? You want some yeah, want me to help you tie that knot there? Maybe he has a sub- on your back? He has a severe Cape Cod accent too, by the way. But he offers to help. He gets knocked into the water by the shark, so his little rowboat gets overturned. And then the boys get knocked into the water. And then we see kind of the first image of the shark, and it bites the guy, and then we see a severed leg fall to the to the bottom. Screams. Screams. And Brody's son, Michael, is in shock, but he's not hurt. He gets to spend the night in the hospital. He wants his... Cars. And what kind of ice cream? Coffee. Coffee. What? What kid, kid would want coffee, coffee ice, ice cream? cream. That's really popular. A fucking sociopath would want coffee ice cream. Yeah. So Brody basically says to the mayor, 
We're hiring Quinta Kill the Shark. You have lost all credibility. My kids were in. My kids were on that. He says that. But he says, you're the mayor of Shark City. People think you want the beaches open. So you need to hire Quint. We're going to hire Quint to kill the shark. We're going to close the beaches. You have lost all, you know, power now. Now we're just going to talk about basically the last part of the movie, which all takes place on Quint's boat, the Orca. So they hire Quint, Robert Shaw, him, Brody, and Matt Hooper go on the boat. Hey, obviously Robert Shaw or Quint and... Hooper don't like each other. Oh, you can tell that even the actors hate each other. They hate each other. So apparently Robert Shaw was incredibly mean to Richard Dreyfuss the entire filming. Belittling. Belittling, rude. Robert Shaw was drunk most of the time. Richard Dreyfuss didn't want to be there. Roy Scheider was sunning himself every day so he could give two fucks. There's (laughs) famous pictures of him just on the beach with one of those, like, aluminum foil, like, folds, and he's just, like, no shirt on. He's so tan in this movie. Like, tell tell. me when you're ready for me. Pretty sure he died of skin cancer, too. (laughs) The type of shit he was saying was, like, hey, Dreyfuss, I bet you can't do 20 push-ups. Yeah, just really horrible showing. I've been like, hey, you can't do this. You suck. They yeah. were basically the children on set. Oh, I also forgot to point out that in the past scene where um, everyone's on the beach and they get the the reporter who's doing a report from the beach is actually Peter Benchley who wrote the book. So the reporter is Peter Benchley. I think you did say that. The one who says, A cloud in the shape of a killer shark. Shark killer! That's Peter Benchley. <laughs> so Peter Benchley actually originally wrote a screenplay for this movie, but it was so close to the book that the studio was like, this is awful, we can't make this, We no one wants the affair, the shark's barely in it, and not because it won't work, just it's not in it, and, and they rewrote it, basically, so they brought Carl Gottlieb in, but... They sent the writer home, didn't they, at one point? Peter eventually was, like, banned from that period, because yeah. he was kept... Yeah, you put, like, mafia elements to Well, it that's too. in the book. There's um, mafia elements in the book. It's so, so weird. It's so weird. So we're on the boat. We're on the orca now. We're hunting the shark officially, okay? Super, Brody, and Quint. So we get some great scenes where they catch the shark, they put some barrels in it. And we're Mr. You know, Hooper! They have infinite amount of barrels. Well, again, this is because the shark wouldn't work in salt water, so they had to create tension in the movie until they got the shark to work. So the barrels was really to create tension in the movie until they got the shark to work so you could see the shark. Again, the shark not working made the movie better because of all these scenes. So and why wouldn't they just wait to film until the shark works? Because the studio needs them. They, they have film. Because they got cheap-ass film, too. And this, yeah, and it was all, they were on a schedule. They, they were on a schedule. Out. They went over, like, 100 days, didn't they? But they why were, wouldn't they just, like, not film and send everybody home because this, until it works? No, this was... This so was, this movie was supposed to be wrapped in 52 days. It took 155 days to film. So it went um, over 100 days over... Over budget, over time, everything. You can't just shut down production. Like it'll never go back up if you shut it down. Okay. And they had three. Sh- they had three different sharks. Like one was just like a head. One was like the entire body. One was like the head and the torso. None of them worked in salt water. So that's why we have these great scenes of the barrels and not seeing the shark and you know that sort of thing. And it just makes the movie better. In my plus, opinion. back then, like they lived and died by what the studio wanted. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if Spielberg was like. We need to shut down for a couple of... Spielberg now, now. would say that. They'd be like, oh, okay. But, Back uh, then, he had no say. Yeah. It was like one of his first movies. He had no say. The studio owned this film. People okay. on set were calling it flaws. There's so many stories about Aww. the crew 
the partying, babies being fathered during the making of this movie because the crew was just running fucking wild across Martha's Vineyard. It's only like, 150 days to do some fucking They call them Jaws yeah. babies because they were conceived during the filming of Jaws and there were so many of them apparently. Like, just insane. Like COVID babies. Insane stories. A lot of ones. I one of the most iconic scenes in the movie where we see the shark for the first time. Brody's chumming the water. And he says, I can go slow ahead, come on down here and chum some of this shit. And you see the shark pop out of the water. And that was supposed to be the big scare. But because people had already been scared by the head earlier, not as big of a reaction. So Spielberg was upset by that. Then Brody slowly backs away and says, Holy shit, that's a big shark! (laughs) (laughs) Says the iconic line of, You're going to need a bigger boat. Which was ad-libbed. Not in the original script. Roy Scheider just said it, which is amazing. The original script was, holy shit, there's a big shark. Yes. <laughs> so we see the shark for the first time. Quint famously says it's 20 footer, 25, three tons on him. So it's a huge shark. It's enormous. Then we get the great scene after them hunting the shark all day. They've put two barrels in it. They're kind of waiting. It's nighttime. They're eating. They're all drunk off peach brandy, apricot brandy, something like that. Apricot brandy. And apricot brandy. Ugh, gross. They're singing. They're singing. And Robert, they start comparing scars. There's dance they're banging all over the place yes there's they start comparing scars and robert Shaw says the one on his arm is from a tattoo that he got removed that was the uss indianapolis and then he goes into this great scene where he recounts his time on the uss indianapolis which was the was it a submarine no it was an airship it was a plane carrier okay that, that del- fat, yeah that, that carried the ship or the plane that dropped the atomic bomb so it delivered the atomic bomb from the island of tinny and delaney to where they dropped it on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And then famously, it was bombed and um, everyone on board ended up in the water. A lot of them got eaten by sharks. It's kind of now a famous story. Sometimes that shark, he looks right into you, right into your eyes. You know the thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eye. When he comes at you, he doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white and then oh then you hear that terrible high pitched screaming the ocean turns red and just a personal note pop up my grandfather was stationed on the island of Tinney and Delaney and he rem- he told me he remembered the day when they came to get people for the USS Indianapolis and he just didn't get picked apparently it was very spur of the moment everyone was kind of it, it was just thrown in at the last minute people were just sitting around on set and they were like we're going to do this scene Robert Shaw was drunk off his ass and did it in one take. No, he did it in no. multiple takes. Sorry. Because they said, Spielberg was like, okay. No, but the take we see mm-hmm. is the take. Yeah, after he called Spielberg the next day, I was like, listen, I, can I get one more chance, please? Let me do it sober, mm-hmm. please. And then he did it, and he knocked it out of the park. And the take we see is the take. He did that take in one take. Because he was so wasted the day before, Spielberg said, if you can't do it, we're cutting it from the movie. But I have a problem with this story. Because he said, like, his mission was, like, so secret they didn't send a distress signal, but standard Navy procedure at that point is to ignore all distress calls if they're not, like, verified or corroborated, so. So then we get towards the end of the movie. Shark is pissed. It's oh, yeah, it's got a bunch of barrels in it. And it's got barrels, and the orca is on its last leg, and Quint pushes it to the breaking point. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd also like to point out, there's a scene where the Amity Point light station calls to the orca, 
and mm-hmm. says, I have Mrs. Brody. She wants to talk to her husband. That is actually Steven Spielberg's voice on the radio. So the the boat has been shot to shit, basically sinking in the middle of the ocean. The shark yeah, is pissed. Yeah, water. And they decide Brody is going to go into the shark cage. He's going you to... Go into the water. You go into that cage. Cage goes into the water. Shark's in the water. Ah, shark. Yes. And he's going to inject the shark with, like... A chemical that'll hopefully kill it. Poison. He's gonna try to like shoot it in the shark's <laughs> mouth. No, it's um, <laughs> he's gonna root it in the shark. <laughs> it's like nitrate or it's like stripping. This is like stripping nitrate or something like that. So he gets down into the water. The shark immediately comes, destroys the fucking cage. Yeah, in the made out of tin foil. In the book, Hooper dies. Richard Dreyfuss's character dies in the book. He goes in that in the cage. He never comes back up. So Hooper dies in the book. Kind of wish that that happened in the movie, no, but it doesn't. I- <laughs> <laughs> I don't want him to die. So Hooper swims off and, and hides for the rest of the movie because he's a big fat puss. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the end scene. The shark launches itself onto the orca and, very sad, eats Robert Shaw. Very, very yes. sad. Quint had a very similar arc to <sighs> another character that really just stood there, looked cool in a movie, and really didn't do that much. He was basically Boba Fett. Oh, <sighs> or Samuel L. Jackson in Deep Blue Sea. Well, no, at least, well, actually, no, you're right, because they both had awesome monologues and then died right after mm-hmm. the monologue. Okay. The first Samuel L. and then, we are going to stick together and blah! How smart could this guy be? He's pissing in the wind. Love Deep Blue Sea. Hello, Cool J. Michael Rappaport. Shock fan. Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport is in it. from this fucking guy. And he's really smart in it, too. You trust me. You mean he's trustworthy. Yes. So good. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in so long. Oh, it's so good. So Quint gets eaten. It's very sad. So basically Brody's left. He thinks Hooper's dead. Quint's definitely dead. The scene is graphic AF. Mm. And apparently it was even more graphic. And that's what they cut out to be, give it a PV rating. I'm like, really? Because that death scene is... Whew, Horrifying. And I said earlier... Because they cut parts... Sorry. They, they cut parts out of that scene to show it on TV. So... Mm. What they really cut out was the audio of, like, Quint just yelling, fuck, and like, fuck you! Fuck yeah, you, probably. Fuck. Yeah. Brody, Brody hates boats. Brody did hates, you, he hates the water. Did you say that? He hates the water. He hates yeah. the water. He won't get on boats. Yeah. He doesn't like the boats. He doesn't like water. We kind of get the impression earlier in the movie that he had a drowning incident as a child, so... He's not a seaman. So he is confronted by the shark. He shoves... Yeah an air tank into the shark's mouth and then takes his gun and climbs up onto it's like the, 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 mast, the mast the mast and starts shooting hoping to hit the tank we'll say so we get this great scene where he's just shooting shooting and then he says the final line you son of a and hits the tank and the shark explodes yay yay the original line was hasta la vista jaws yes that was there's a continuity <laughs> error in that scene because the tank goes into his mouth where it's like valve in and then he climbs up the thing and you know you never flick, goes back you never to, flick a toothpick around in your mouth dude. and then it goes back to the shark no. and it's valve out like it's reversed you know like did he just flip it around his mouth do sharks have tongues dude yeah we see do the whole thing's mouth i don't think so sharks don't have tongues unless it's like a pixar shark 
Which in Finding Nemo, the great white shark is named Bruce, yep, which yep. is the name of the shark in Jaws, named after Steven Spielberg's lawyer. The Bruce. shark in Suicide Squad. Oh, really? Yeah. He named it after yes, his lawyer. Shark um, also, with the schedule expanding from 52 days to 155 days, Steven Spielberg had to juggle Universal's impossible deadlines, an unfinished script, chaotic conditions off Martha's Vineyard, and a belligerent Robert Shaw. On the last day of shooting, Spielberg had heard rumors of a dunking from the mutinous crew. So while the last shot, the blowing up of the shark, was being filmed, Spielberg was on a plane back to Los Angeles because he heard that the crew was going to throw him in the ocean, basically. (laughs) So he wasn't even there for the last scene? No, he was back on a plane to LA. He said, miss me with that. So then we get Brody and Hooper returns. He's not dead. Like I said in the book, he is dead. And they swim back to shore on the barrels. And have a threesome with his wife. I mean, we don't know. Maybe. The end. And that is the end. And that's Jaws. So Jaws was nominated for four Academy Awards. It won three out of four, mostly for sound. John Williams sound editing. It lost Best Picture to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Which is a great movie. Robert Shaw was not nominated, which is bullshit, but did host the Oscars that year, making him one of the only hosts to host the Oscars and star in a movie that year that he died in. Jaws was a huge hit, obviously, and... It killed a shit ton of sharks. Yes. So Peter Benchley has, you know, he's dead now, but he famously said that if he had known the effect that his book had had on the sharks, which people started killing sharks a lot because of this movie, he never would have written the book. And he spent the rest of his life campaigning or working with different groups to save sharks because of what his book did, basically. They only have one active predator. Like, really, come on. It's the orc. (laughs) Well, oh, after means- this movie, a movie called Orca did come out, which was a ripoff of Jaws. It starred um, first Dumbledore from Harry Potter, which I can't think of his name. Richard Harris. Richard Harris. And it was called Orca, and it was a killer oh, whale. Bo- and Bo Derek was in it, too, wasn't she? Was she? I think so. I don't remember. But, but uh, also, how great would that be to revamp the franchise? You know, because it's had so many sequels. It should be like... Jaws versus Orca, you know, like Freddy versus Jason. Well, they have Sharknado now. Jaws was is considered the first blockbuster, uh, summer blockbuster. It mm. came out. It was one of the first movies to debut in you know many theaters. You know, before Jaws, and I, I know Godfather was technically the first movie to do this, but movies basically came out in one theater in one city, and then they were expanded. Godfather was the first movie to open in multiple theaters, but Jaws was the next movie and the biggest movie to open in hundreds of theaters across the. Country. Country. And Jaws had a huge effect on the vacation industry for years to come because people were scared to go to the beach. That's why I love this movie so much is because it's not just a great movie, but it actually affected the way people live their lives, which is insane to me. Like, it's not only just the way people view movies because people went to the theaters, but it affected the way people vacationed, which I think is just hilarious. I just got really nostalgic when you were talking about it going from one theater to all theaters. I know. No, I was thinking right. about my career at the Regal oh, Cinemas the Regal Theater Cinemas. and how we used to get all the movies ready on Thursdays before the big blockbuster mm-hmm. debut on Fridays. When you were, uh, Fun fact, I'm not tall enough to man the machines. 
Oh, the, the, the projectors? Yes. Oh, wow. I'm too short. So the Jaws ride at uh, Universal Studios in Orlando is not there anymore. I did get to ride it before they got rid of it. It's now the Harry Potter. They replaced one of my loves with another one. But if you do go to Universal Studios, you'll see little nods to the Jaws ride. So in one of the windows, uh, one of the shop windows, it's uh, there's like a, a shark mouth. And um, there's a record that's called Here's to Swimming with Bow-Legged Women, which Robert Shaw's character says earlier in the movie. I think there's even a shop like on the London side before you go into Diagon Alley that's called like Quint's Record Store. So they have little nods, but the ride's not there anymore. It was a terrible ride, but I still loved it. (laughs) Um, So this movie spawned three sequels, Jaws 2, Jaws 3D with Dennis Quaid and Louis Gossett Jr., which takes place at SeaWorld, and Jaws the Revenge, Jaws the Revenge. with Michael Caine and Mario Van Peebles. And Mario Van Peebles. And Christopher Guest. And so we get, in Jaws the Revenge, we get the storyline that the shark, which is not the, obviously the same shark from the first Jaws, because that shark got blown up, but that the shark in Jaws the Revenge is related to the first shark. Oh, for goodness sake. And, and can detect the bloodline of, of Brody's family. <laughs> it can sense the blood. It could do a blood which test. Is so which, it, which, so which is it, weird because it's like psychically connected to the mom. So technically she's not blood related to Chief Brody. In Jaws the Revenge. Unless he like bled into her or it something. It kills, the first scene in Jaws the Revenge, it kills Sean, the youngest boy. The one that did the face thing. The one that did the face thing. And then Michael, the oldest son, lives down in the Bahamas. And the shark, Ellen Brody, who's actually, it's the same woman who's in the movie. And she says, Still it's hunting high. our family. It's coming after you. And so it kind of operates that this, the shark is on a vendetta against the Brody family. It's just crazy. <laughs> the shark was in a cell, writing yes. down the names of the family just yep. over and over again. I, I was wondering if when you were doing your research for this movie, you came across a small story about when Steven Spielberg brought some friends to the set. I don't think so, no. I read something around along the lines where he brought his friend Martin Scorsese and George oh, Lucas. Oh, yes, I did. But you go ahead. And you John Milius. And they visited the effects shop where Bruce was being constructed, and Lucas stuck his head in the shark's mouth, just as a gag. But um, Emilius and Spielberg snuck to the controls and made the jaw clamp shut on Lucas's head. And he was stuck there because it broke. He was stuck there for a little while, and then they released him, and then his friends ran away because they thought they broke the shark. Hey, hey, guys, guys, I think the shark went off. It's stuck on my head now. I seem to have fallen and broken my leg. Um, This is a great time for me to think about how I'm going to finish writing my my movie series. All right. Well, I guess, uh, like I said, at the end of the month, we're going to rank our our Spielberg picks. But um, Tammy, do you want to give your opinion of Jaws? A pass-fail, I guess. Oh, we're doing pass-fails now? Well, yeah. It's a pass. It's a classic. So you love it? Yeah. It's a classic. Yeah. Guida? I like this movie. It gets a, a nice, uh, you know, seven and a half on the violent scale, on my violent scale. I like it. Good. Any comments you had about the gun used in the movie oh, or oh guns? Oh, gosh. Would that gun have been able to blow up that uh, tank? Did that gun get wet? Would it well, have been able to? he hits the tank, not the shark. He hits the tank. Yeah. Do we been... see any flames? No. No, because it's a compressed air tank, okay? Yeah. Uh, the gun, perfectly sufficient in rupturing that tank. Okay, all right. That's all I wanted to know. Mm. Okay. Matt, remember we live together. I'm not going to say I don't like this movie, because I like this movie, but you know what? It's just the movie. 
Seriously, I have to watch it every time it's on. You don't have to watch I it every time it's on. I have to watch it every year. Literally, let's watch a different movie. It's like I put it to um. When I, I have berated people. Don't you say a word. When I was in when I was in high school, and then I was in college. Literally every English class I had, I had to read the fucking Scarlet Letter. I which, never had to read that. Which, you never had to read that. Which no. May, I mean. I guess I, my, my equivalent would be Heart of Darkness. I had to read Heart know, of Darkness like I know, four times. I know I've it's, never a, read very, that. it's a very important lucky. piece of literature, but I can't stand it anymore because I've had to read it so many times. It's not movie dick. Ugh, I had to read that a bunch of times, feel, too. Because Michelle won't stop watching Shawshank Redemption. You don't watch it with me, so you can't complain because if like I did, Matt I does. I would put bamboo shoots I feel like the only, person now, well, the only what? person now that complains about Jaws more than I do is Allison's brother, Kyle. My brother. He doesn't even call it by its name. He calls it the fucking fish movie. He hates it. It's because Jaws? it's because I made it. I made them watch it so many times. Like I'm just obsessed with the movie. Like for our Weird. listeners, our our uh, I have a room in my house that has <laughs> different Jaws posters all around it. One autographed by Steven Spielberg, which you got for me. Thank you. Yes. And other ones that I, I have cr- framed. I won Christmas that year. Yes, I, I just did. I love this movie. All right, well. This is my first four out of four. I'm so excited. Aww. Yay. She is smiling from ear to you ear. You still give it a pass? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, wild, no matter All how right. much I make him watch, you can't deny this movie is not great. Yeah. It's you, not terrible. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. You fail my favorite movie just because I've like, made you watch it several times. You say several. Like, what, what number do you think? Are we talking about Shawshank right now? I love <laughs> Shawshank Redemption. Okay. What number do you think? How many times do you think we've watched that movie? No, no. I think that you have watched some of that movie many times. Wrong. That's what I think. And also, how many times have you made her watch The Fifth Element? <gasps> so many times. So good. We both, will be watching both that great on movies. We will both be great movies. that on the podcast. It'll be a very special episode. What are we going to do a Luke Besson month? Guido had five DVDs when he was. Poor college student. I'm going to do the Joan of Arc element was one of them. I'm going to call Chris Tucker, and we're going to get him on the phone for our podcast. Oh, you know, my dad met Chris Tucker when they filmed, um, what was that Bradley Cooper movie? The Silver Linings Playbook. And he was a gentleman. Yeah, my dad said he was really nice. See? All right. Our next pick for week two is going to be Matt. So, Matt, quid pro quo. Enjoy being the only category, the only pick in the category. So by default, you're number one this week because I have a feeling you're going to get bumped after next week's episode. Doubt it. Because we are reviewing what I believe to be the greatest thing that Steven Spielberg ever offered to cinema, and that is the character of uh, Indiana Jones. Mm. But um, but which one are we doing? Well, I flipped a coin because I was either going to do one or the other, mm. and the coin dictated that we do Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. So the Jaws 3D of the Indiana Jones series. <laughs> uh, no, because unlike Jaws 3D, this movie doesn't suck. It's true, Jaws 3D. Nancy bashing in it. All right, so uh, Matt, where can they watch uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Is it available on uh, streaming it, services? Uh, unfortunately, it is really only available for purchase on streaming services. You can actually get you can get the the box set of the four films because yes, unfortunately, there are four films. Soon to be five. You could get the box set of four films for cheaper than it was to buy. Fifth one's coming out. Soon. Just the three movies. 
the first three movies individually. Okay, so if you can watch it... But you know, I mean, also, come on, who hasn't seen it? Is Shia LaBeouf in the fifth one? I don't think so, but it's written... The fifth one that's come, that is going to be coming out is written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge of Fleabag, and so it's probably going to be written really well, I will say that. Okay, so if you can watch Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, that is Matt's pick for week two of our Spielberg month. Any closing thoughts, guys? Yeah, the water. I was going to say something about the goblet, but completely brain farted on that one. All right. Well, join us next week for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Where, and uh, thank you for listening. Wherever you stream podcasts. Beaver. Beaver, 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 beaver. Bye, guys. Beaver. Wow.